What's crackalackin' everybody? My new smart guy, Matt Zipali here. Hailing to you from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to another episode of the Seven Figure Squad podcast. Here in studio with me is my co-host, Milton Alvarez. Let's go, baby. Milton, uh, you have a special guest in the studio today. I heard you hired your first employee. My very first employee is actually in the studio today. My very beautiful, beautiful mother that you can't see, but she's back there extremely nervous for me. She's watching me on the screen. Hello, mama. Good to see you. Amita. Amita. Hola. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely a blessing to have her here, man. That's awesome. Brother, my, uh, my mother brought a series of emails I wrote to her back in 1999 when email and AOL was just starting. Dial up, huh? And my... AOL email address was Sapo Knight. Sapo Knight, like like the knight in shining yeah. armor. Why, 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 why did you choose Sapo Knight? Sapo was, uh, Sapo was my nickname growing up. Right? Sapo. Sapo. Yeah. You learn something new every day, huh? <laughs> your, 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 con your contact information is changing as days go by, brother. <laughs> so Sapo was when I was growing up. Sapo was, they called me in the Marines. And so, so Sapo Knight. So Sapo, no, no Siri, be quiet. So uh, Sapo Knight was my AOL.com address. Anyway, my mother was reading me these letters I wrote to her talking about where I wanted to head in my life. You know this, nobody can ever employ me. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of the world treating my dad the way he treats my dad. Who are they to, to hire him and fire him? It's never going to happen to me. All these things I was writing, I'm on a movement. I'm starting a business. I'm just committed. I know success doesn't happen overnight, but I'm in a twin. I'm, I'm going to stick to my commitments. Boom, boom, boom. I casted a vision in 1999, and, I was, and Sheena was reading it to the team last night. And my mom brought it, and my mom was like, see, these always believe from the beginning. I'm reading it like, that's the way I sounded in 1999. Holy moly, you know? And it was, uh, it was this very surreal moment. Because I, I was doing BOM. I was doing the overview for, for all the new candidates, all the new guests in the in office. In 99, or was it this? this, this, this? No, she read it last okay, night. Last night, got it, got it. From the letters I'd write to her, emails I'd write to her from 1999. So let me ask you. Uh, being in a position that you're in right now um, versus where you were in 1999, what do you think drove you to want to have a desire for mother? Was it just, you know, the typical tr uh, cultural tradition of, you know, once your mom and your father get older, it's our job and our duty to take care of our parents? Was it scarcity? Was it some form of pain that you were experiencing? Pain, that that's it. Pain. That's it, 100%. Pain. I went through a divorce, went through bankruptcy, went through Lord Curtis Square. I write about it in my book, Faith Made Millionaire, which is not a book of being a model citizen, which is a really a book of self-reflection of mm. some of the things that you need to avoid so therefore you can have a lot more success earlier in life than later i mean i should be enjoying this right now and speaking of which what i'm enjoying right now is this is the first podcast and the first official show that we're doing me now officially as a new grandfather there you go so baby. shout out to my son ruben Sapala and sarah rose so congratulations again to them laboring on labor day bringing to the world my first grandchild kalea what a great beautiful name kalea has it hit it hasn't hit yet, man, so I'm going to... Uh, leave tomorrow, don't you? I, I think so. Yeah. Um, we'll see what time I can squeeze out because I need to go up there and see this baby. So uh, they live in Denver. I'm in, I'm in Dallas, so I'm looking forward to meeting her and holding her uh, for the very first time. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a granddad, bro. Your grandfather. <laughs> who would have thought, thought, thought right now, huh? I'm a granddad. What? You know, you know what I think about the scene um, in the Apocalypto? You ever seen a movie, Apocalypto? Yes. Yeah. You know the scene where the guys that chase him, he jumps over the waterfall and says, no, you can't stop me. This is my forest. My father hunted us. Yeah. My grandfather hunted his forest. This is our forest. You can, he's like, the kid's unstoppable. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> you can't stop us. We have four generations of Sepalas right now in America. So, anywho. And you might actually live long enough. To, yeah, you will actually. You live, yeah. live long enough to be a great-grandfather. Well, here's the thing, too, is my Lord willing, I'm at an age right now where even she doesn't think I might have another kid. So my granddaughter's future uncle and auntie might be younger than her. Yeah. Well, they will be yeah. younger than her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's going to be so funny, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, if you do have another kid, what are you striving for? Uh, well, she wants a girl. A girl. She wants a girl. Yeah, she's been, you know, she got, you know, she got Jojo Jordan. Yeah. You know, and and uh, there's only two girls, you know, amongst the five. So, uh you know, she wants a girl. You know, she wants a girl. And she's like, babe, imagine a girl with this with Jordan's hair. I'm like, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's exactly the problem. But what, what do you think? You what do you think would be different? You having a, a a daughter now, about to be age fifty, versus when you had your your twins a couple you know, years ago. I was still going through pain when I was yeah. a young dad at 28 years old, with the twins broke, busted. You know, nothing going. You know, nothing was going right for me. I mean, this morning, I mean, I'm waking up with Jordan. 
You know, I have the freedom and latitude to wake up with the kid. You know, uh, I can get up with him three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. Now he's getting, you know, potty trained and, and toilet trained. So I got to wake him up at three, four o'clock in the morning so therefore he doesn't piss in the bed. Mm-hmm. So if I had a regular job, I'd be so stressed, you know, getting out of bed in the morning. I can't remember the last time I used my snooze button. You know, so yeah. those or alarm or alarm clock for that matter. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's a very interesting time where when you got money right, you got your career right, you're clear in your vision, you're clear with your your values and your principles. You have a wife that you're gonna rock with. There's a lot of things that don't distract you much, and having a kid bring that. You know, people say, well, why, why bring a kid into this world? You know, you know, I'm wearing a shirt. You know, uh, you know, honoring you know, the Sound of Freedom movie, and obviously, you know, my fight against uh, human uh, trafficking and doing our family doing our part. Why would you want to bring a kid into this dark world? Well, that's exactly why I need to bring into this dark world, to bring light into this world. There's too much darkness right now. Bring a kid that can build the next generation of your last name in a time such as this to make a difference in this world, man. That's what motivates me to bring another kid. You know, it's not because I can have another kid. It's like, okay, and these kids now are on purpose. Like, I think I'm kind of getting good at being a dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And now, I don't know what type of granddad I'll be, but, right. but I can't, I'm kind of getting good at being a dad. And uh, it would be a shame if I just stopped. Now, let me ask you the final question of mine. I'm curious for myself and you know my, my, my future endeavors. So, well, having children in, in the long run, do you think there's going to be a difference in resilience and, and capacity with your future child that you want to have with your spouse uh, from them versus the children that you had when you were, again, in, living in fear and scarcity? Because I feel like during that time, you raise them in a certain way that built yeah. a certain callus in them. Yeah. It, it raised them with certain resilience and certain yeah. fortitude to want to do more and have that, need, they need that strength yeah. to survive. But now you're in a position where you can raise them, where a lot of people call it a sense of entitlement. Yeah. Um, do you think there's gonna be a different, a different upbringing when it comes, well, obviously there's gonna be a different upbringing, but yeah. do you think the way they think, the way they process is gonna be very different? And do you think raising them in this environment, which almost seems too perfect, could yeah. affect them in a negative way in the long run. Yeah, so you have to give, the kids that I had beginning, they were raised in, in straight up poverty. I was broke, I was not in a good financial position, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Now, they're gonna be raised in privilege compared to their older siblings, Yeah. right? And so, uh, yeah, so now you gotta, even, if I had a choice between raising my kids when I'm, I'm broke versus when I've got money, I'd rather raise my kids 100% of the time when I got money, because yeah. now I gotta, I, I got options. They got options. Now, my de- my choice as a dad, though, is I got to create some hard in their life. Yeah. And so, you know, like I was telling me the other day, I said, man, you know, I was telling my, my wife, babe, you know, Joe's 13. Come on, let him go. <laughs> He's got to, like, I didn't know what, like, you come to the house the other day to massage his neck after football practice. Like, I didn't, I went through my whole upbringing, eight years in the Marines, I didn't have one massage. Not one massage. Yeah. I didn't even know what a massage was. I thought massage was, you know, something that was tutti frutti. Tutti frutti. You don't get yeah, a yeah. massage. I didn't look at massage as recovery. Yeah. I thought it was like relaxation. And That's good, how you get a massage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The good kind. Yeah, but uh, not the Milton massage. Not with the people's elbow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. But yeah, if you had, if you had a, by the way, what do you guys think? You guys are watching this right now. For those of you who raise your kids when you're broke, you were in poverty and food stamps and making 10, 15, you know, 20 bucks an hour versus some of you watching this and you're, you got money, you got means behind you. Which situation would you rather raise your kids? When you're broke or when you're rich? We'd like to know. Please put it in the comment section mm-hmm. below. Interesting show we got here today. So uh, we got a bunch of uh, topics here. Um, this lawyer says getting married is negligence. Okay, let's take a look at this topic here in a second. What the average wedding for 2023 is. Uh, guilt for making lots of money. Uh, five reasons for not starting a business. Um, this young lady wants to date a man that's making $100,000 and above. Well, let's break down here the percentage of men that's actually making $100,000 a year and above based on the age range that she's looking for. Um, crypto YouTuber loses $60,000 because he made a mistake doing a live stream. Loses sixty grand. So um, last but not least, where is the best places to put your money in a rising interest rate environment? Milton, you got some topics too as well on the health and fitness side. Yes. So- as we all know right now, everything going on with the government and our, and, and our, our nation's um, health, COVID is on the rise once again. And I want to be able to share some preventative steps that you can take, some preventative measures you can take to make sure that you don't catch the illness and die from COVID, yeah. right? Uh, second thing, for, especially for, for all my men out there watching, um, men who are married and in committed relationships, not 18, 19-year-old boys who are looking to mess around. I need to make that very clear. I'm not here to condone 
underage sex and you know. So uh, fix your sex life in three different steps. I'm gonna give you practical ways That'd that you can do physically. Interesting. Yeah. Well, mom is in studio. I just. <laughs> It's just, okay. Luckily, there's a language barrier. So <laughs> there's no subtitles in this uh, podcast okay. yet. Okay. So <laughs> fix your sex life in three steps. Practical ways that you can do physically, things you can consume, and practices that you can do in the bedroom that will make you a better man. Um, and then I also want to be able to speak on uh, how to influence people in your life. So if you're, if you're starting a business or you're a leader in a group, how can you become an influential person and, and gain that leadership role amongst your peers so that way you're able to lead a team the correct way and consistently sustain that influence over their lives. So let's just jump right into it. So um, getting married, speaking of marriage, getting yeah. marriage is negligence, says this Lori. Uh, do you have that video queued up? Let's take a look at this video. Why this Lori says getting married is negligence. Let's take a look I mean, this. if you break it down fundamentally, 56% of marriages end in divorce. Like think about, that's the ones that end in divorce. So. How many people, what percentage stay together for the kids? Or because they don't want to give away half their shit. Another 10%? That's conservative. Conservative. But let's say, let's say 20% then, okay? That's, that's at least right. You now have a technology that fails 76% of the time. That's insane. That's insane. That's more likely than not. 76%. If I told you there's a 76% chance when you walk out the door today, you're going to get hit in the head with a bowling ball, you would not go out or you'd wear a helmet for sure. But... People just continue to get married. Not only do they continue to get married, there's a presumption that you should get married. And if you don't get married, there's something wrong with you. So if you've got a girlfriend and you've been with her for five years and you say to someone, we're getting married, they go, oh, that's great. You know, they don't go, why? You're happy. Why would you get married? Like everything's going fine. Why would you put yourself through that? Why would you run that risk? If you say to someone, we've been together five years and we've decided we're not going to get married. We're going to move in together, but we're not going to get married. Ooh, what's wrong? You have intimacy issues? What's your problem? Meanwhile, 56% end in divorce. It's, it's literally fits the legal definition of negligence. So think about this, man. He's looking at it from a probability standpoint. Mm -hmm. So basically it's negligence for you to put yourself in a situation where you're probably going to fail. Yeah. So my question is, and we're talking about this all the time, is why get married to begin with? If you know from a man, it's going to cause harm. If you know from a woman, it's going to create division and you're going to have kids and the house is going to be separated. Now you're fighting in court over alimony and child support. Why do it? And if you do it, according to this attorney, it is negligence. Why would you put yourself in a car when you know 75% of the time you're going to get into an accident and going to hurt somebody, kill somebody? That's negligence. So I will say this though. I'll preface it by saying that's the reason why you need God. That's the reason why you need a foundation of why you're getting married to begin with. Let me ask you a question. For those of you watching this on the live or replay in the comment section, what do you think the purpose of marriage is? What's the purpose of getting married? Why haven't we as a nation, United States of America, voted a single president who's not married into the White House? Why do we as Americans value husband and wife, even if things go crazy, you know things go crazy. Why do we value husband and wife presidents and leaders to lead our country, to lead our companies? Why do we value that more? I'm just curious, what is your definition of marriage? Milton wanna be the first one to answer that. I think a lot of people approach the concept of marriage, man, with the idea that walking into a marriage, it's going to be a euphoric experience that nothing, nothing negative is supposed to happen. It's going to be a great experience with your person with not with with out the knowledge of understanding again as you said as you verbalized not understanding the true purpose and the reasoning behind why people actually get married i think he approached it in, in from from a perspective of lo logical and putting myself putting my happiness first and it making it it making sense to a point where there's not going to be a lot of sacrifice it's supposed to be a euphoric experience for both parties when the reality of what a true marriage is, is it's consistent sacrifice from both ends. As you said, when you involve God in the picture or understand it from a religious standpoint of any kind and understand it from a bigger purpose standpoint, we understand that, in at least in Christianity, there was an ultimate sacrifice that happened so that way we all can experience what love is from mm -hmm. our creator. Mm -hmm. And us being the image of, of Christ and being the image of, of God, 
we're also put in this earth to be able to lead as men to lead our family and to be able to sacrifice X amount so that way we are able to provide for the people who are in our lineage. And when you when you approach marriage, when you approach marriage with the idea of I'm meant to lead, create, and I'm meant to, you know, I guess you could say lay the foundation for my family, have them experience life in a certain way and lead them towards Christ and lead them towards a greater purpose in myself. That's hard. That's not easy. But people don't like hard. People mm-hmm. don't like the sacrifice. People don't like the struggle. And pe- and when you view marriage as I'm going to struggle, I'm going to lose money, I'm not going to have privacy, I'm going to lose XYZ, I'm losing freedom to do this. Of course, you, who wants to get married? I, my mom's in the studio, but every single person in my family, in my friend circle, since I was a kid, I've been surrounded by nothing but divorce. Right. So in, it would make sense for me to say, I don't want to get married. It mm-hmm. makes absolutely zero sense for me to get yeah. married. It's not a good experience. But when you understand the purpose behind what marriage is, although it's scary, although it's sacrificial, although, you know, it's going to involve a lot of pain and a lot of growth. Because here's the thing, I would rather, and it's going to bite me in the ass probably later, but I would rather be with someone in a marriage that's going to challenge me, maybe not intentionally, maybe un- maybe unintentionally because of who they are as a person, that's going to challenge me to step out of my, out of my bubble, that's going to challenge me challenge my beliefs, challenge my foundation, challenge every part of me, challenge my resilience, challenge my emotions, challenge any unresolved trauma that I have from the past because of who they are naturally, right? I'm not saying that they need to treat me as if they're they're a psychologist and I'm their patient or I'm a project, but just by who they are and how they carry themselves, it's gonna be challenging for me. But isn't challenge something that we need as human beings so that way we can grow, so that way we can become the men that we need to become? Yeah, I mean, I can't grow muscle in a gym unless you put resistance in weight. Right, resistance. We need resistance. And repetition. And repetition. Time under tension. Consistently. You're, you're on, <laughs> yeah. Every decade, there's something, some, some, something new. What you experience with your spouse or your partner in, their, in your early 20s is not going to be the same thing you experience when you're 56 years old, when your bodily functions start no longer work, your body starts giving up on yourself. So every single, genera- every, single, uh, every single decade, every single season in your life, it's going to be a new challenge, a new level, aka new devils. Yeah. And those are the moments that you're going to experience life with your partner. But I think there's a bigger, stronger foundation that occurs and molds and builds when you're able to encounter these trials and tribulations with someone versus just experiencing nothing but euphoria and having no idea how to have a foundational relationship. And I think to the to your point, the attorney's guidance and counsel is sadly because faith and even the discipline and practice of going to church and being ejected values and principles of how to keep a marriage together, people tell you there's a stat is stats all over the country that patriotism is down today. Going to church is going down today. Faith in God is going down today. But baby, we're going opposite. Yeah. And if you're looking at how to restore America, looking to restore your finances, restore your your mental health and emotional health, it's got to start from a faith perspective. Now, I'm not going to sit here on this uh, podcast and shove Jesus down your throat. If you want to have a conversation about that, we'd love to have that offline. Yeah. But you have some form of faith. And by the way, you know the most deeply devout, faithful people I've ever run across is atheists. Mm-hmm. You got to have a lot of faith to believe that there's no God. Yeah. I won't get into that conversation right now, but here's the thing. Without faith, how does a marriage, how without having God in your life to serve a purpose higher than yourself, how does a marriage even continue? I mean, you, you get married. Okay, you get married, what, by the judge? Or is it a contractual relationship? Or is it a covenant relationship? I believe it's a covenant relationship, meaning under God. It's something you just don't break. You know, there's a, there's a vow that says, till death do us part. Kind of means that way, till death do us part. Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 18, verse 22, he says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. That's something I never want to leave out, bro. Yeah. That's something I want to earn is favor from the Lord. How I treat my wife is how I lead my life. And so when you're looking at the purpose of marriage, I look at the purpose of marriage as one thing. If you believe in generational wealth, then you believe in marriage. If some of you are out there, man, I want to create, I want my kids, my kids' kids have met. Well, also in Proverbs, it says, listen, if you don't leave an inheritance to your kids' kids, right? An inheritance and riches to your kids' kids, it'd been better if you weren't born. Wow, that's a profound, that's a profound uh, uh, scripture there. But there's three purposes of marriage. Number one is companionship. You want to live life. I mean, literally, bro, do you think these uh, 70, 80-year-old rich men marrying 20, 30-year-old women, do you think he's laying in bed saying, you know what? I know she loves me. No, just companionship. They need company. What about her? Definitely not. Waiting for him to die. Waiting for him to die and yeah. get 50% or whatever, right? So, but poor dude 
Or vice versa, there's a lot of rich women today that might have a young man that's in their life. You think he's waiting around because he loves her? It's it's going both ways now. But bottom line, people want companionship. And why would not you want to have companionship with the bride of your youth? The, the, the woman the, the, and the ladies on your side, the, the man of your youth, to build a family with. The second one is obviously procreation, to create more citizens, to create more children from your legacy. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about this, 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 uh, this picture. Um, can you show this picture uh, real quick, George? Can you show my screen? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Kalea. Look at her, man. That's my son, right? She and I have seen, him, uh, uh, seen her for the very first time on uh, FaceTime. Seeing, I'm looking at procreation. I'm now, I've got a grandchild. Unreal. And she's like, she, she sneaks this look. She's got that Filipino flat nose, bro. <laughs> Come on. That's my baby. Okay. Cannot wait to meet her. So procreation. So companionship, procreation, the third purpose for marriage is redemption. Because the enemy thought he had us. The enemy thought he can keep God's people down. No, man, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you, enemy, you have no victory here, man. My victory is in my faith. My victory is in Jesus. My victory is in God. And through that process, only way can I have victory through arguments, through setbacks, through when things aren't going right. And the tougher your pain, man, the sweeter the victory. And when I'm coaching people all day long about their money and their finances and seeing that their personal life is all in a mess, you know what I tell myself? You know what? I wasn't liking it when I was going through it, bro. But thank God I went through what I went through. So now I can coach and teach people who are going through what I went through in their 20s and 30s. And I can show them a much faster way and a much, much easier way to, to deal with uh, scenarios and situations. With that being said, Pastor Dudley Rutherford said one thing. He goes, as a pastor, I do do marriage counseling. As much as I would love to, I, would, I don't do marriage counseling. We're like, why? I mean, you're the best person to do marriage counseling. He goes, Here's why. After sitting down with the couple for a couple minutes, for 10 minutes, I know exactly what they need to do to change. But here's the problem. They don't change. Yeah. So that's why I don't do marriage counseling. Find a professional who's going to deal with that stuff. Find a mental health counselor and professional that's going to deal with that. I got a pastor, man. I got to lead a church. I can lead a flock. And I can't lead people who are unwilling to help themselves. So going back to, to that specific topic that you're speaking about, um, for the ladies watching currently live and for the ladies who are going to, who are going to come across this video in the long run, whether it's the full video or just a, uh, a short or an Instagram reel. Yeah. My belief is this, so that way, ladies, you don't get your time wasted by these guys, boys, men, boys yep. stuck in men's bodies. <laughs> I, I believe that after the first date, a man knows, okay, I want her in my life. Mm-hmm. It may not be relationship, may not be romantic, but yeah. I know that I want her in my life, Yeah. right? Or I know I don't want her in my life. Yeah. Anything outside of that, you're, you're getting your time wasted. And I believe within mm-hmm. the first, and maybe you can attest to that since you're not, you, are, you are married, within the first five to seven months, a man knows, yeah, I want this woman to be my wife. I feel anything outside of that, he's going to end up wasting your time. Yeah, I think as much as women feel, okay, this is my husband, I think guys feel the same. I felt that way with how Sheena. Long, how long did it take you? I, it was very quick. I mean, less than a week. I already knew. I, I was on the phone with her till 3 o'clock in the morning, charging my phone in the middle of the night, talking to her, having freaking pillow talk. What kind of guy does that? A guy that does this whooped and says, you know what, this just ain't a fling, man. This is kind of like a girl I, I see myself being with. Were you on a Psychic Razor or an Nokia phone? Or were you, what were you? Ah, well, it's not, it was not too long ago. It was 2012. So it was, you know, some form of iPhone. iPhone I was, it was iPhone. in 1999, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of weddings, let's take a look at this video. The average wedding for 2023. Um, is, that a, is, is that a video or is that a, it's a video. Okay, so let's take a look at this video here, what the average wedding cost is in 2023. What is the average cost of a wedding in 2023? Yeah, I would probably say our average right now is in that 65 to 75 thousand. Yeah. Get the heck out of here, man! In Nashville, stop it. Yes, 65 grand. Stop it. 65 grand. Is that normal? Bite your tongue. No, like, it's not That's normal. so much money. It is. Well, I mean, la- no I mass. would say seven years ago, that was half of the cost. Miller points to inflation and supply shortages for the sharp rise in cost. And there's nothing quite like the price tag to bring couples back down to reality. Wow. Um, newsflash. Shanna and I spent less than $1,000 on our, on our wedding. Here's what my wife said. I'd rather invest in our marriage than blow our money on a wedding. One more time for the people who didn't hear you say that. One more time. I'd rather invest in our marriage than blow it on a wedding. If my future wife is watching this, please listen. And here's a sad reality. The people that you invite to your party, 50 bucks a plate, 100 bucks a plate, chances are they may not even give you a gift. Okay, that's number one. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, right? They can't even pay. They don't give you 50 bucks just to pay for their own damn food. Yeah. And then they're going to drink your alcohol night. And you're paying for all that. And then they're going to steal your centerpieces. And then second of all, the people that sell the centerpieces. And second of all, the people that show up to your wedding who observe this public declaration, they're supposed to hold you accountable to your vows. That's why you get baptized in public. That's why you get married in public. Why? In public. To people, so people can hold you accountable to your promises, or in this case, your vows. And the third thing is, if there's much pressure on people getting together, husband, wife, natural personalities are just gelling together, and then you splash on top of this $65,000 of money you know, you don't have the money to spend on a damn wedding, and you know those people that show up to your wedding, back to point number two, 50, 80% of people that aren't even in your life the next three to five years. Haters. And they're dogging you out. So they're enjoying your money, enjoying your party. They're not even in your life five years later. I mean, I look at our wedding. Thank God we only spent $1,000 on wedding. Sheena's dress was 1000 bucks. We spent more money on three different styles of rice. Puerto Rican <laughs> rice, Filipino rice, Mexican rice, African rice, Jaffa rice. Jaffa rice. We, had, we got a lot of diversity in our friends and our, and our business partners. But th those are the things that you should consider doing. This is bullshit, man. $65,000 for $100,000 for a wedding, $200,000 for a wedding. I had a friend, he's Indian, spent $100,000 on his wedding. You know, by the way, have you ever been to an Indian wedding? It's Holy like, it's moly. Like four, it's like a four-day oh celebration, right? Bro, it's a week long. It's a week long. Makes sense. It's man. a whole week long. I mean, bro, this, when's the, and then they start late, late at night because nobody ever shows up on time. And anyway, they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a wedding for what? Just to show? Just to front? For what? And you put that financial pressure on you. You don't even have a house. You still got student loan debt. You still got credit card debt. You still got car, car loan. You haven't saved anything for retirement. Now you want kids on top of that? Oh, wonder people get divorced yeah. because of the financial pressures of paying off the wedding. So I'd rather you invest in your marriage, invest in your skills, and invest in you getting better, you getting to know each other. I'd rather you invest in your children. Think about the, the money you just robbed from investing in children to a private school education instead of being exposed to a public school agenda that you don't agree with. So if you're going to be considering yourself trans anything, consider yourself trans financial. <laughs> I wish I had the picture up. <laughs> trans, go from broke to balling, baby. Be trans financial. That's, that's a new word, bro. Trans financial? Trans financial. This picture at? Right. Remove transactional and be trans relational. Go from superficial relationships to deep relationships, right? Get depth. But that's my thoughts on it. Would you want to spend 65 grand on a wedding? By the way, if you're watching this, would you want to spend 65,000? Even if you had it, would you spend 65,000, 70,000 dollars on a wedding? Okay. So that was advocate, both ends. In the position that I'm in right now, in the position that I was maybe about 10 years ago, hell no. Hell no. I, and again, I, I would, <laughs> maybe 10 years ago, I would use the excuse of, no, babe, we should probably use this money for, for, for experiences and we should invest into ourselves. When in reality, I was just using that as an excuse because I'm broke as hell. Right now, I'm in a position where, okay, I can spend some money, but still $65,000 to me, it's still, it makes a small dent in my life. Uh -huh. It still makes a dent. Yeah. Not a massive one like it would have 10 years ago, but it still makes a dent, which still makes me reconsider a lot of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I like the idea, and this is something that I've always sp spoken on. I like the idea of an experience. Like, okay, if we're going to spend $65,000 on a Let's wedding. go to Egypt. Yeah. If we're going to spend $65,000 on, on, on a wedding, what do we take? Half of that invest into something that can make us money. Yeah, and assets. Then the, and then the other half, we use it to get away for maybe about three months. Yeah, yeah. Let's travel the world. But now, let's say, let's just say I am in a position where I have, you know, a few money, where I can spend ten thousand, thirty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars, and it's not going to affect me. Mm -hmm. And I am with a woman that's been there with me through thick and thin and through the trenches and you know she's experienced everything with me and she's never left my side and has been faithful with me and she's yeah. been a woman of prayer in my corner yeah but now that i now that i made it financially and i if i have boatloads of money i don't know i, I feel like i would take that step forward and say you know what sixty five thousand dollars to say thank you to the woman that literally sat by me when i had nothing and now that i have everything in in abundance it doesn't affect me but at the same time 
the idea of doing it because here's the thing i think a lot of people get married and want to spend a lot of money because they want to put on a show for people they're not really doing it for each other i feel like a lot of times they're doing it to to show off to to the entire world yeah yeah so if i'm if i'm gonna have a wedding with a woman that i'm in love with i'm doing it for us not for the people there's so much pressure, especially on a man. And the reason why a lot of men don't want to get married is because of the financial cost. Speaking of that, uh, let's take a look at this next video. The percentage of men that are making $100,000 because this woman's got some aspiration about the man she wants to marry. Yeah. So let's take a look at this, what, you know, what a lot of women today want to have is their ideal man to possibly get married to. It comes from a financial standpoint. Let's take a look at this video. What is the age range do you think you're attracted to? 35, 45. We don't care what race or is there a particular race? No. We don't care what race. No. So we're going to pick any race. What is the minimum height? Don't lie. Minimum 5'10". Minimum 5'10". We're excluding obese men, correct? Let's be honest. Who <laughs> wants to date a friend? Minimum income. 100K. So we're talking about a man who is 35 to 45. He's not married. We're excluding anyone under 5'10". We're excluding obese men. And we're excluding men that make under $100,000 a year. Now, so my question for you is, what percentage of men in the United States do you think that is? No clue. 40%? 40% of men? 40%? Damn. It's less than 1% of men. (laughs) In the U.S. or worldwide? It's less... Jeez. Was 1% of 8.3 billion. I'm just Googling men over 5'10". What percentage is is for a 5'10 man? Um, uh, 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 35 to 45, 5'10 and above. You can't be fat. Can't be fat. You got to be fit. So so what's the percentage for men over 5'10"? Uh, five ten, five ten. Uh, okay, so fifty, so fifty percent. Uh, twenty five percent of men is over five ten. Okay, twenty five percent of men is over five ten. So now you got to break that down, and then they got they can't be fat. They got to have you know they got to be fit. And what percentage is that? So what what percent of people today, Milton, are obese versus fit? What would you say, ballpark? Ballpark? Yeah. Who are obese versus being fit? How many people? How much percentage are, are are actually? Fit, yeah, right. Actually, fit not, and not obese. I would say, with, with within that range, or just broad in general. I'm not talking about height, weight. I'm just like, 40, 45 percent. Okay, so forty five percent of the twenty five percent that's left over. Yeah. I already had twelve percent. Yeah. So of the twelve percent of men that's left over, over five ten, how are you making hundred thousand dollars? Well, making hundred thousand dollars, you're still in the top ten percent. So I can see where this math is going. So, uh, ladies, is there a delusion here? Is she officially, I mean, start off that she was delusion. She thinks that 40% of men are over 5'10". Yeah. She thinks there's a big pool of men that's, that's out there. There's not. You know, um, a lot, all, my, all my cousins, my, my, my son, he's 5'8", uh, 5'9". Five, five, Even my son, I'm 6'3". Yeah. He's 5'9". Right? He didn't, he didn't get the, 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 the height gene from me. He got the brains uh, gene from me, but he didn't get the, the <laughs> not, so, not so good brains. <laughs> right? My son's a grinder. He's a, he's a hustler, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So what's, what's my point in saying all this? Try, try, people trying to put people into a certain category. I, and I, I ran across Sheena. I thought I had my type, right? And next thing you know, I ran across my wife. Of all, of all the things that was my type with my wife, um, I think maybe only two she met. No shit. For me, it's curly hair. I, I, love, I love curly hair. Um, that's my type, right? Um, and athletic. So that's my wife. Every, so, other, every other things I thought would be my ideal wife, wasn't, she wasn't on the checklist. I just chose her. So there's, this is even including myself. So you, so you had a type. I had a type. You had a type. So you, I know you got a type. Whether you, <laughs> I'm, I'm easier. Whether, whether, whether you had it written down somewhere or you just had it in your thoughts. So uh-huh. let's just say you had 10 things off your list. You're non-negotiable, uh-huh. right? Or just what you want out of a woman. Yeah. With the idea that a woman's supposed to be able to, oh, your partner, not just a woman, but your partner, the person you end up with, is supposed to be able to drive you crazy in three different ways. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Because the physical also, also okay. counts. Interesting. Right? Okay. That accounts. If you're missing one, one out of the three, it's going to be extremely hard to sustain the relationship. If you're yeah. missing two out of the three, it's, it's almost So not, was it physically, emotionally? So they're supposed to drive you crazy in three different ways. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Okay. Right? And the order really depends on you. But for me, it's spiritual first, emotional, mental, and then physical comes at the end. Because obviously, you're not going to go up to a random woman on the street like, hey, I think you, you have an amazing heart without even knowing who she sure, is. Sure, sure. The first thing you look at are obvious things or obvious character uh, features on the body. So now, let me ask you. 
a lot of men and women too, but I can only speak on men and my own personal experience. We decide not to pull the trigger with certain women because they don't meet the standard of, I, she's not my type. She doesn't have these qualities. She doesn't look a certain type uh, of way. Uh-huh. You just, For me right now, you just broke that because I always thought she needs to look a certain type of way in order for me to actually want to take that step forward or uh-huh. she needs to live a certain type of way, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like the qualities that I want in a woman. Mm-hmm. You just said, I had a list of things that I wanted in a woman or the type a woman that an I ideal, wanted, an, an ideal. ideal woman uh-huh. in my life. Yeah. And I met my wife who literally only had two out of everything that I named. Correct. Have you have you experienced any type of pushback in the relationship, in the beginning or now even? And obviously we're in an open uh, podcast where these conversations can actually help the viewers. Yeah. Um, did you experience any pushback because you only focused on two of those uh, things, uh, two of the things that, she, uh, that, that met her, your expectations? Or does that no longer even matter? to you the, the, those two things well yeah because out of the list that you had you only, only two of them were met yeah it, it, yeah as i got to know her those yes. two things were less were less important and the other eight that weren't as much ended up to actually being prominent like i didn't realize that she and i really did love god i didn't i didn't know that i was hoping i wonder if this girl goes to church I don't know what the relationship with Christ is, blah, 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 blah. Like, so, you know, Sheena, Sheena's got a playlist of worship and, and gospel songs. I'm, really? You, you get down like that with Jesus? Okay, cool, right? And she got baptized while we were dating, mm. you know, ded- rededicated her life to Christ. Um, she was a single, I, I, had, I had preferred a woman without a kid. I, I met Jojo, I'm like, I love this kid, right? It's, there's nothing. So there's a lot of, because pre- I had three kids. I'm, I'm wondering to myself, you know, how selfish of me too as well to, to think about a woman that doesn't have kids. Should, should I marry a girl without kids or not not kids? At that time, I said, it's probably better to not have kids. And then I dated a woman without kids. I'm like, it's probably better for me to date a woman that does it because she mm. understands my predicament. Yeah. Right? So there it is. That, that wasn't part of the top check, checklist. Her physical uh, attractiveness, her athletic attractiveness, to me right now, they're bottom 10. Even though she's, there's nothing, yeah, I mean, I, she asked me to massage her. I said, I can't massage you because this is going to turn into, <laughs> I can't massage you, man. It's like, don't ask me to massage you. I can't do it because I'm going to put my hands in different places yeah. that you weren't yeah, looking yeah. to get massaged. <laughs> you know, so, but uh, that's, you know, the, the, how she is, how she gets me jacked to run through a wall, to fight for our family in her own little way. It's got nothing to do with her physical or athletic qualities. It's got everything to do with her spiritual and her understanding who I am. I want to be jacked and run through all for somebody. <laughs> she's, co- she's coming, bro. She's coming. Yeah. So let's take a look at this other topic. You, you got a topic you want to talk about on, on your end? Yeah. That's, um, so I actually can touch on both of them. So they kind of link with each other. You mind if I touch on both? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's nothing, there's nothing to pull up. I just want to be able to speak on the, f- the first one. As we all know, everything going on right now worldwide, and especially here in the U S COVID's on the rise again. And for a lot of the people who are freaking out and who, whether you believe or don't believe, there's still preventative measures that you can take to avoid getting sick. And there's still ways that you can actually boost your immune system and stay healthy. So that way you can avoid taking the shot and avoid being exposed to yes. the, uh, the environments that, we're, that we live in, which obviously there's germs everywhere. But let's take some preventative measures. And there's a couple that are pretty obvious, but for the people who need a list of things, here are a couple. Start every, single one, start every single morning with some form of movement. Whether it's 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day, go on a brisk walk, be exposed to the sun. Starting your day off with movement is going to help you. Inc- going to help increase uh, your immune system. It's also going to help you with your metabolism and also help you get exposed to, to, to the sunlight when you do this outside. Consistently staying hydrated also. When you stay hydrated, your energy levels are consistently at, at an optimal level. Your cells are hydrated. Uh, you, you, you're able to uh, think better, process better, move better. Uh, having a, a balanced diet is also another way to avoid seeing the doctor, avoid getting sick. Because when you can, because macronutrients, proteins, fats, and carbs, uh, although they are important, they aren't the only important aspect of a diet. You also need your micronutrients, your vitamins and your minerals that your body needs to repair itself and to heal itself from any injuries or also any illnesses. Uh, and the final two big things. It has to do with rest and recovery. Being able to manage your stress so that way you're not consistently in fight or flight. And here's one thing that I noticed about. Uh, your event that occurred in August at, at mm-hmm. the big event at in the Vegas. MGM Grand. Mm-hmm. When you go to those events, everyone's consistently in fight or flight because there's no sleep. 
Yeah. Constant meetings, high energy. No food. No food, <laughs> lack of hydration, running from stage to stage. There's constant movement. So you guys are consistently in fight or flight, whether you believe it or not. So your central nervous system is consistently on edge. You're consistently on edge. So what ends up happening when you guys come back home and everything just goes down? You yeah. want to get sick. Yeah. Because now all your walls, are your, 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 the defense that you have in, in, in your body, your walls just collapse because you're no longer in fight or flight so now yeah. you're more prone to getting sick so being able to manage your stress and getting the adequate amount of sleep that you need is definitely a way to fight off any potential illnesses or you know fight hey, off the new my, variant my whole time there in vegas i was i was sick i recall right yeah, yeah. it was the whole time the whole time there i was sick and uh and then the week after that because i went back to chicago and i was sick so i was I, I couldn't shake it off for like three weeks yeah yeah i think i had covid yeah, so I think I already had it in our second time getting it. Oh, well, move on. No vaccine, no shots. That's, yeah. That, that's another conversation. That's, <laughs> that, that, that's something that a lot of people are definitely giving a lot of pushback on. And I agree. I, I, I didn't get the vaccine. I know you had to get the vaccine first because you, I, I didn't you did it. Nothing. I, th I thought you had to get it because you traveled. Zero. Oh, look at that. Zero. I know a lot of people did. And right now, even though they're not, it's not a factual thing, but right, there's a lot mm -hmm. of cases of people dying out. Mm -hmm. passing away getting even more safe after heart issues myocardial especially after taking is. certain vaccines that haven't had much test testing or research on yeah but dude, i want to veer off the topic a little bit and i want to be able to put my men on and for the women listening to this now listening to this in the future on a real on a tiktok on a or what on a short on youtube i want to be, be able to help you in an area of your life that it's also predominantly very important in your relationships so you can sustain a healthy relationship, especially when you're in a marriage, especially when you've been married for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And this is being able to fix your sex life in three steps. Uh oh, here we go. Steps. Here you go. So for what my men, got? so for my men, I'm gonna walk you through the things you uh, things you can do one step at a time and then give you small breakdowns on practical things that you can do and things you can consume that will help you in this field of, um, of that you're experiencing in your life, whether you're, you feel like you're in an optimal level or you feel like you need a little bit of help and a little bit of tuning in the department. So to all the ladies out there, you're welcome ahead of time. For all the men out there, send me a shout out whenever you're, um, you've are you succeeded in your endeavors in the bedroom. So number one, gentlemen, is being able to take care of your body. Getting consistent exercise on a daily basis, jogging, swimming, working out, lifting weights for at least 30 minutes a day, it's going to help you keep you in shape and it's going to enhance your stamina in every area of your life. Now, when it comes down to the vitamins and the minerals, we need vitamins and minerals again for cellular energy and to also help us heal from certain things that we need that we need on a consistent basis to avoid getting sick and also to help us with our metabolism, but also when it comes down to our sex life. So here are the three minerals and vitamins that I suggest for every man to consume. Now the quality and what kind, that's, gonna, that's up to you or you can easily reach out to me on Instagram and I can help you pick out the right ones. Uh, number one that you can take right before you go to bed is zinc. So think of zinc as this. Zinc is a mineral that your body needs to make a hormone called testosterone, which is a lot of men like us, we are filled with that. Think of testosterone as a captain of your body's sexual functions. It helps you have a healthy sex drive, maintain strong erections, and produce sperm, which helps you have babies. If you don't have enough zinc, your body might not take as much testosterone, which can lead to problems when it comes down to your sexual performance, aka not being able to get it up, not lasting long, or ending too quickly. Second is vitamin D3. Vitamin D3 is the sunshine vitamin. Why? Because your body can make it when your skin gets enough sunlight. It's crucial for your overall health in general, but it is mainly important for your sexual health. Uh, vitamin D helps, and vitamin D, it's called vitamin D for a reason, right? Vitamin D helps you, helps your body produce more testosterone, which is a key player in your sex life. When you have enough of it, it can lead to a stronger sex drive and better function. And the final one, my favorite one for either in the gym or in the bedroom is L-citrulline, which is why I push a lot of my clients. What's to that called? L-citrulline. L-citrulline, okay. I push a lot of my clients to consume L-citrulline through foods alone, or you consume it through the through uh, the supplement. But one of the best things you can consume, maybe about an hour, two hours before your experience in the bedroom, is watermelon. Watermelon has high amounts of L-citrulline, which is why whenever you guys love watermelon, you guys see me post watermelon, especially on my, in the fridge on my story, is because I can push you guys and encourage you guys to consume it. So L-citrulline is an amino acid that works a little bit uh, alongside of L-arginine, which when you combine them both together, it creates something in your body called nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide is like a magic gas in your blood vessels, right? It relaxes and widens them, making it easier for blood to flow to the right places during sexual arousal. So again, once you consume that, especially when you, right before you have sex, whether it's the supplement or the food, which is why a lot of people 
use dark chocolate or they use watermelon as sex foods in the bedroom because it helps them with their arousal. But one of the biggest things, especially when it comes down to food, and I'm almost done with this, is limit your sugar intake. Avoid consuming loads of sugar, that box sugars, candy, chocolates, all that before you have sex because that's going to reduce the amount of blood flow to the areas that you need. S- sucralose is a sugar, right? Because mm, yeah, I it, see that in ingredients. So, so anything with sucralose, fructose, yes. high fructose syrup, Yes, oh, those are sugars. Yes. Yeah. So the next one is an exercise you can do, okay? Uh, and let me ask you, Matt, have you ever heard of this uh, called the Kegel exercise? No. Kegel. So, Kegel. Okay, so it's like, Kegel. It's like, a, it's like a, the, the, the weight kettle. Definitely oh, not. it's kettle. No, yeah, it's kettle. Okay. So, oh, it's kettle. So this exercise helps strengthen your pelvic floor muscle. So let me walk you through it so you can even, I can, I'm doing it right now as we speak, you can't even tell. So you can literally do this on, on your drive, you can do this when you're in bed, you can do this while you're in your office, you can do it anywhere. It's that easy to do and it's a great exercise to help you last longer in the bedroom. So the Kegel exercise is like a secret workout for your private parts, men. <laughs> Generally is. Got it. Okay. It's literally in so the bottom of your not using kettlebells, right? Yeah. <laughs> they help you have better control over your bladder and makes... And you can even make sex feel more enjoyable because you last longer. So now, how do you do this? I'm going to walk you through it as if you're a high schooler and I'm trying to Mel's explain gonna it to you. is going to give us a uh, live demonstration here in the studio. It's going to involve a lot of graphics. So, <laughs> I can, I can. so think of the muscles in your pelvic floor, right underneath your scrotum, right right in that area. So right, you know, when you got to take a real bad piss or you're holding in your, your feces and you're like, you, you, you flex that muscle, that's what I'm talking about. You can do it right now as you're sitting down. I can see Matt doing it right because I see his butt cheeks moving. Is there a- so, <laughs> I'm so, glad you're so, looking at my butt so, cheeks while so I'm sitting pic- down. So picture this. <laughs> Imagine you're trying to stop the pee while you're using the bathroom. That's the, those are the muscles that, be, that are being utilized for uh, uh, the, the Kegel exercises. Squeeze the muscles down there like you're holding in a fart. Okay, Hold this squeeze for a few seconds, maybe like three to five seconds. Like you're trying to hold in a fart or you're taking a piss and you're trying to hold that piss back in. Hold that muscle in for a... Hold a fart or like hold it from shitting on yourself. That. It's the the same Same, muscle being utilized. Same Same muscle being utilized. So you squeeze that muscle for about three to five seconds, then let it go, and then you relax those Uh, muscles. That muscle is very strong with me then. (laughs) Repeat this squeeze and hold release process for about 10, 15 minutes in a row. Like a mini workout for your pelvic muscles. So again, it's like giving your your private muscles a little gym session that keeps them strong and healthy. And remember, no one can tell you're doing this exercise. So you can literally be doing it on a call. You can do, be doing it on the drive home and it's going to help you a lot while you're contracting these muscles. And the final thing is, learn how to how to learn how to manage your stress. A lot of men, especially when they're trying to just jump around from partner to partner, they have performance anxiety because they don't know what the person wants. That's why to me, it's very important. And I believe that married people have the best sex. Because when you've been with a partner for so long, you learn each other's likes, dislikes, you know, the specific places they like being touched or being kissed or whatever the case may be. But when you're jumping from partner to partner and you're just, you don't know where you stand with certain people, you're going to have a perform, perform, performance anxiety. Because what okay. may not work for, for person A may not work for person B. And then it takes just one, especially for the men, it takes one person to say, hey, you suck in the sack. Mm-hmm. And that's going to immediately kill your morale and kill your confidence. And now the next person you go into it with, you're going to have low, uh, uh, low confidence and you're going to have high performance anxiety. And that's also going to kill your performance in the bedroom. Cool. Cool. All right. That was Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, uh, we always talk about making more money as a solution to inflation, as a solution to rising interest rates, as a solution to not having a good sex life, as a solution to improving your sex life, as a solution for you to get married. So there's also reasons to start a business. There's also reasons not to start a small business. So one of my favorite personalities to watch on TV, I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I do, I watch this guy. His name is Marcus Lemonis, and he hosts a show called The Prophet. Like profit and losses, not like the biblical profit, mm. but profit and losses. So what Marcus does is he's a CEO of Campy World. He, he's a orphan child, was adopted and uh, spent time in both Miami and also raised in Chicago. And I've watched his show because it's right before Shark Tank. And I watch him go into business because these business owners ask for help. They ask for help in structure, they help revenue, they help business partners, and they need an investment, an injection of cash into their business. What Marcus does, though, he goes in, assists the business based on three things called people, processes, and products. You have good people around you. You got a good process to fulfill your orders and you deliver your services. And you have uh, a, a, a people, product, and process to make sure that the the whatever it is that you're, you're delivering, everybody wants. So he assesses these three things. 
So he also talks about why you should be an entrepreneur. He actually said a lot of people don't even take my advice. I invest in their business. I let them know I'm 100% in charge because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm investing in their, their, in their business. And a lot of these people fail. So here's five reasons not to start a business, and we'll, we'll react to after this. Let's take a look. Here are my five red flags for why you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. You're more concerned about the money. You're more concerned about the fame. Mm. You don't want to put in the time. Mm. You care more about yourself than your employees, and the customers aren't number one. Those particular five demonstrate for me a level of humility in being a business owner, and a level of modesty, and a level of self-awareness, and a level of understanding who ultimately drives the business. There is no one captain of the ship, and if there is, that captain better have taken direction taken advice, learn from, listen to the entire crew. And if they don't, that business owner is going to be going down with the Titanic. And I see it. I've, I've done almost 75 episodes. It's in Chicago. And it surprises sure. me how people continue to make the same mistakes. Shocks me. Interesting. How people still make the same mistakes. Is it because he didn't review it? Or because people sometimes just don't want to listen um, can you go over those five things again, uh, Jordan? Can you go back to the screen just so we can have it up on the screen here? Those five things you just talked about, if you can just re, re, uh, uh, put it back. But uh, I know one of the things that people shouldn't start a business because they lack discipline. Yeah. You know, one of the hardest bosses to ever work for is yourself. Is yourself. If you said, I set the alarm clock at 7 o'clock, and this morning you hit the snooze button, guess what you just told yourself? You're a bad boss to yourself. Because you said the night before, I'm waking up at whatever o'clock. But you hit the snooze button. What are you saying? I don't want to listen to myself. So every time I think about that, every time I think about hitting the snooze button, I'm tempted to do it. Like, you know what? I'm a, I want to be a best boss to myself. I need discipline in my life. What, what do you, what's your thoughts about discipline? Because I know you deal with it with clients in the gym. Some of the best people that want to say, hey, I've got some great aspirations. I want to be in shape, blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, they kind of ghost you, don't they? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it's understanding why you're involved in whatever you're involved in in the first place, having the bigger reason behind it and having that strong anchor that's holding you down to whatever endeavor that you're pursuing. That's, one, that's why one of the, the biggest things uh, that I do when I first try to, when I first onboard a client is ask them, you know, the, you know, why are you doing this? What's anchoring you down? And what's going to anchor you down when shit gets tough and you don't want to do this anymore? Yeah. Because right now I have a really strong feeling, which most people do. I have a really strong feeling that you're you're making an emotional decision because you got, you got tired of something or something happened in your life in these la these last couple of days, weeks, or months that is putting you in a position that you want to make the decision to start working with me or just start working for yourself. But what's going to happen when things go great and everything's fine again and you're no longer emotional? That's the biggest thing that we try to instill within my at least my client base within the first couple of weeks of them us working together. So that way they can take ownership. And one of the biggest things I tell them is, I will run the race with you. I yep. will run the race by you, but I will not run the race uh, for you. Yep. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. By the way, I've got 50 Bible verses here about discipline. First uh, uh, Peter 4, 7. To end of all, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. There's so many scriptures here about discipline in the Bible. You know, discipline is one of those things, bro. Where we are, like, for example, we want freedom in our lives. We want freedom in our lives. I want financial freedom. I want physical freedom. I want uh, travel freedom. I want freedom for my kid. Da, da, da. But guess what? At the end of the day, guess what? You have to also give up a lot of those freedoms so you can be disciplined. And that's the time and the effort that a lot of people don't want to do. You know, when they say, you know, businesses fail, 85%, 90% business fail in the first, you know, year, two, three, four years. Okay, I get it. It's because business is bad. You and I are both entrepreneurs. We didn't fail in the first couple, two, three years. Yeah. So why do people say business is bad? Because they're lacking discipline. Uh, Jordan, did you see that? Uh, you can you put it up on the screen? So let's take a look at this. So they're more concerned about money. If money, if making money is your end all be all for being in business, and that's the long term for you, I get it for the short term, right? Yeah. That's why I started my business on the side because it was it was a, it was about the money. Yeah. But if it's for the long term, all you want to do is for the long term is money. Guess what you're going to start doing? You're going to start cutting corners. You're just going to start uh, purging values and principles that started your business to begin with, and therefore, since you don't have any sustainable foundation, you're going you're gonna to cheat a lot of people with that mindset. It's just about the money. It's just about the money. Have you ever seen people like that? Yeah. I, for, for me, if we were to uh, reorder this list on, hey, we can put it back up, Jordan. 
if, if we were to order this list in the level of importance to least important, I think number five will come in number one. Customers aren't number one. And in reality, customers should be number one. That should be your number one thing because you're a problem solver. In any, in any field That's that right. you do, whether it's product or service based, you are a problem solver. So your customers should always be number one. If your customers are satisfied, your business will grow. And I think number two, uh, number two should be number three. Don't, you don't want to put in enough time. I think putting in a lot of time into your customers, into servicing them, into giving them the products that they, that they need. It should I be- I think number two is the last thing you should be concerned about, fame. Fame. Because if you are good enough, guess what? Is that magic going to happen anyway? That comes, that comes on its own. You're going to get recognized. People are going to want to expose you for the good things. Where do you think uh, number four should come in? Uh, uh, you care more about yourself. I think that's pretty much at the top. The reason why you're going in business for yourself because you're solving problems, but at the same time too as well, as you're helping other people, guess what? You're also helping yourself. Yeah. So if you want to help people, guess what? You got to help first. Yourself. You got to help yourself first. You know, I tell my guys in the business all the time, if you want to serve people and, and I want to create a youth center, I want to help people, I want to help the poor, the needy. Great. First of all, you can't be broke. Yeah. Because when you, what do you do when you, get, when you go to church? I give five bucks, 10 bucks at church, or you rather give 5,000, 10,000, or 50 grand, or 100 grand, or 5 million, or 10 million. You know, that's, that's the level of the problems that you're solving is the depth of your, uh, of your, of your efforts in business can also lead to the efforts of your giving and your contribution to society. But uh, th these are great things of why you should not be an entrepreneur. If these five things are ultimately important for you and they're, they're the long lasting reasons why you're in business for yourself, my recommendation is you better work for somebody else. It's a whole lot easier to go about life doing so. Um, last thing I want to put up here is uh, the, the best place to put your money when interest rates are high. Um, Matter of fact, can we, let me, let me see if I can put this up here on my screen. So the Wall Street Journal talks about in this rising interest rate environment, people are constantly asking, Matt, where should we put our finance? Last night we did a workshop. We had over 50, 60, 70 people in, in, in our workshop just asking uh, these questions. Uh, so where, where, where should I put my cash, especially with there's, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, everything going wrong with S&P 500 and banks are failing, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, the crazy part is level one, nothing to spare. Living paycheck to paycheck is now the norm for most Americans. Financial advisors urge the holding, I'm not a financial advisor, but the financial advisors here urge the holding large amounts of debt to first pay down high interest rate balances. I disagree with that. That's why I'm not a financial advisor. About half of people carrying credit card debt allow those balances to roll over until the next month according to recent bank survey. How about cut, cut it off to begin with? Stop using the damn credit cards. You stop using credit cards because here's the problem. You try to pay off your credit card and if you still have the habit of using those credit cards, you're just, it's like trying to, to bail yourself the water but you still got, you still got leaks. Mm -hmm. You got to plug the leaks in first and then you can bail the water out of a sinking ship. And so the, the thing too as well is, is a rising interest rate. If you thought you're getting past, you know, it's a 12% interest rate or 15% interest rate. If they keep increasing the interest rates, guess what's going to happen? They're always going to increase the interest rate at which you're getting charged at. So if you plug in the leaks, have a mindset and an attitude about, listen, I cannot, if I'm, if I'm digging myself out of this hole, I can't be allowing this dirt to come back in the hole. That's what, people are, that's what people are doing today. Even more of a reason for people to consider entrepreneurship on the side. Have a side hustle because there's a different life that you have when you're looking at, I always share all this on four things, your cell phone, internet, Wi-Fi at the house, you have a car, you eat food. These four things is an employee only. These four things is an employee only are not tax deductible. But if you're growing a trade or a business on the side, these four things in the execution of building your business, these are potentially income tax deductible. You can write off the execution of your cell phone for the execution of your business. You can write off the portion that you use for that, your Wi-Fi, your home, section of your house, square footage. Those potentially could be tax deductible items in your life. So instead of just being expenses, they can be tax deductible. Um, they're also recommending here, if you got a thousand bucks, using CDs. Uh, uh, benefits of CDs is right there at the bank. The downside to it is that you got to hold it there for a certain period of time, three years, one year, five years. Um, and if you take it out before the end of the term, they're going to charge you a pre uh, early withdrawal penalty. So if you don't have the tolerance to keep your money there inside that CD for some time, um, you want to keep some of that money in a liquid savings account. The downside to a liquid savings account or money market account, it's even lower than what the CDs are paying you. Uh, last but not least, guys, investing for the long term, for you to be in a high, uh, rising interest rate environment, I'll just say this. They talk about bonds. They talk about a high-yield savings account. Hey, September is Life Insurance Awareness Month. And guess what happens to policies that for, for people that had interest rate, ca uh, ca cash value policies, permanent policies with interest rates or your insurance company uh, pays dividends, guess what happens in a rising interest rate environment? What happens to those potential dividends or interest rates? 
they have the potential to be increased because the bonds also increase. So the benefit to there as well, if you want to use that money for cash, guess what? It's an income tax-free withdrawal based on IRS code 7702. So I'm going to put a video out here later on the 7 Peter Squad YouTube channel about 10, 10 biggest thoughts that people never thought about in terms of life insurance. People think that life insurance is for one purpose, and that's to die and to have your people... Uh, that are left behind to be rich. No, life insurance is for you to be rich when you're alive. It's a multi-purpose tool. And uh, what some of the misconceptions you saw, uh, Milton, as you started putting your money inside insurance policies, as you start increasing cash value, what's some of the misconceptions that you even had with your mother, your family, misconceptions you had about insurance when it came to you just coming across it? It's a scam. You don't need it. What's What's the point of insurance? That's the biggest thing that people can be pushed back on. It's a scam. You don't need any of that. You could just save your money, work, use that money for other things. And the reality hit when my father passed away. 2016, when my father passed away and we got hit with a big bill. And now all my st- you know, my siblings and I are looking at each other like, all right, well, who's going to pay for this? And none of us had the cash at hand during that time in 2016 to pay for it. And there was no life insurance policy that was going to be able to help us. And now we had to dig into our savings, nickel and dime, everything in order for us to be able to bury our own father. And although, you know, it's it was... Actually, to me as a man, it was pretty embarrassing because amongst all my siblings, I'm the only guy. Yes, the five, I got four four sisters, and they're all older than me, fifty years old or so. Yeah, I'm still the guy. So on some level, it was really really embarrassing. But if there was a life insurance policy intact during that time, or even one of my friends, he suffered a heart attack, but luckily he had a life insurance policy. He had to be off of work for about a year, but that life insurance policy kicked in and it helped him sustain his lifestyle and his family. So now his kids were still going to school. His he, his family was still eating. He was still able to pay his, pay his bills and still feel like the man of the household because he was still providing even though he was ill. Yep. So life insurance is definitely something that I think every single human being in this physical earth should be looking into. And it's something that you should ask questions on 100% and get more knowledge and understanding what it is. But I generally do believe that it's a tool, right? I would consider yeah. a tool, 100% a source a tool, tool yeah. whatever, that a lot of people aren't aware of and don't really know that it exists. And if they do know it exists, especially the land culture, my culture, uh, they have a misconception of what it is. And because of that misconception, we are too scared to take a step forward because we're scared of risk. We will rather work our asses off for 40, 50 years, but we won't take the risk of knowing that what can, what can actually put our families on the map. And I definitely push all you guys watching this now, live, or if you come across this video in the future, to generally look into it and seek for advice. For example, brother, yeah. would you would you buy a dollar for a quarter? If I give you if I give you a dollar right now and I said give me your quarter, would you take it? You tell me. For example, yeah. if I give you a dollar right now, you give me twenty five cents. Yeah, would you take it? Of course. Of course. Of course. If I gave you a hundred dollars and you gave me twenty five dollars in exchange for it, would you do it? Mm-hmm. If I give you a thousand dollars, would you pay me twenty fifty dollars for my thousand dollars all day long? Right. Yeah. That's what life insurance is. Yeah. So if you're wondering how, what type of pool of money needs to come your way, and here's the sad part. Our cousins in the insurance industry on property and casualty insurance, for example, storms and hurricanes and floods and, and, and tornadoes, they're getting killed right now because some of these guys cannot get a health insurance policy, excuse me, a uh, property and casualty policy because these insurance companies say, well, we're not making a lot of money with property and casualty insurance in Florida or California, earthquakes, hurricanes, and, and, and uh, typhoons, whatever case may be. Let's pull out of that market because we're getting killed because the reality is four or five years from now, or four or five, the last four or five years, a lot of PNC insurance companies haven't made a lot of money. But here's the thing, too, as well. Life insurance company, you get your money inside a life insurance policy, you're, not, you're now officially part of the old money club. we got an insurance company right down the street called National Life Group. They've been, been around for 170 years. They're around when the gold, uh, the gold rush was happening. They're around when the Mexican-American War ended and America bought these territories from Mexico for 15 million bucks, California and Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Te- yeah, part, yeah, exactly. So they're around when that was all happening. So now you're part of the old money club. If you want to create generational wealth, you got to have an honest conversation with somebody about life insurance being a financial foundation mm-hmm. as you're building your financial house. So that being said, man, um, we got a lot of exciting things going on. Again, this is the Seven Fear Squad podcast on the Seven Fear Squad YouTube channel. We're here every Wednesday afternoon from 12 to 1 p.m., uh, I'm excited for the remainder of 2023 because New Year's resolutions don't happen on Jan 1. They happen now. What type of cash crisps do you want? What type of financial New Year do you want? And get ahead of it. This is what this is what companies do. They plan ahead. This is, actually, the government starts this fiscal year in October. So we encourage you. Also, check check out Life Insurance Awareness Month, um, dot org. 
and all sorts of different insurance resources that are for you to understand this powerful financial tool about insurance and what it could do for your family to improve wealth creation as well as creating generational wealth. That being said, on behalf of my co-host, Milton Alvarez, and his mother who's in the studio today, I'm your money smart guy from Dallas, Texas. And until we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to love smart, and be money smart today. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye-bye.